in-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to Fourth Down in the Steel City, short week edition, time to build the game plan and tell you how we think the Steelers should handle the Tennessee Titans and how we think the Titans may decide to attack the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot to get into. Some guys playing who we didn't expect to be playing. Some other guys still not ready to go yet. One guy making a surprise return uh, a little earlier maybe than some of us thought. And one guy who can't be trusted because he puts mayonnaise in his coffee had a hell of a debut last week. And the question now is can he do it again? (laughs) Not can he put mayonnaise in his coffee again, but can he have another game like he had in his debut last Sunday? We'll get into all that, but first we just want to remind you, if you are watching the show on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, we appreciate you being with us. Click the little notification bell down below. You'll get uh, notified. That's why they call it a notification bell. Uh, As soon as new videos are posted to the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, including full episodes of It's Right Here, Uh, which is fourth down in the Steel City. Of course, audio-only version, by all means, nothing wrong with that. Inside your Odyssey app or however you get your podcasts, inside your Odyssey app, if you're listening to it right now, there are three little dots right up above there on the right-hand side of the screen. You're going to tap that and then tap follow. Same deal. You'll be notified as soon as new episodes of fourth down in the Steel City are ready. We welcome you, however you get your podcast, to rate, review, download, subscribe, and hang with us every single week as we ride the roller coaster that is the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers season. And that's where we're at, Josh. Josh, um, <laughs> I don't look. I This is one, even two weeks ago during the bye, when we kind of sat down and reanalyzed the schedule and where things were going to go from here. We looked at it, even after the Rams game, we looked at it and said, oh, yeah, it's the Titans on the show. Oh, win this one. Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, to paraphrase or to directly quote the great Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Um, I don't know what to expect from the Titans in this one, but I do know that we're probably going to see some very similar things from the Steelers that we saw on Sunday against Jacksonville. That's just the way Mike Tomlin and the Steelers do business on a short week. They kind of roll into a Thursday with a lot of the same game plan. They try to work to their own strengths and weaknesses rather than necessarily focusing on the opposition strengths and weaknesses, um, their biggest strength is going to be that Cam Hayward's back. And that's huge for a team that's 27th in the league against the run. That's probably the one of the bigger things they've got going on defense, considering the fact that they don't have Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. So as far as the, the, the big guys we identify on this defense, it's always been the same three guys pretty much since 2019. Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, and T.J. Watt. So you lose Micah Fitzpatrick, but you get Cam Hayward back. So you you take that deal if you're the Steelers as far as getting yeah. one of your three big names back. Now, does having Cam Hayward back help you out as much as having Micah Fitzpatrick ha- helped you out before? That's what we're going to find out. Because if you ask me right now, based on what we saw in that second half against Jacksonville, I think you'd probably, if you had to pick between one, which one you would probably need more, it might be Mika Fitzpatrick, but at the same time, you mentioned the run defense, in which case you kind of need Cam Hay- You might need Cam Hayward more, considering the fact that they got a really good two-headed running back game yeah. uh, coming, on, coming in with Tennessee, that's, so there's that too. 
That's what I was going to say is that if there's a week where I think if you have to trade off, you know, getting Cam Hayward back for the absence of Minka Fitzpatrick, it's this week because of the strength in the run game for Tennessee. We all know what Derrick Henry's capable of. Um, but to your point, Tajay Spears has been a huge compliment mm-hmm. to him. He's averaging he's averaging something sick. I want to say it's like six yards a carry. It may be even more than that. Like I don't 5. have a number. 8. Yeah. There you go. So he's he's average yeah, plus good. he's really he's quicker, at least more explosive, I think, uh off the off the blocks than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry starts to churn and gets a full head of steam going. That's when you want to get out of the way of the cement truck as it rolls downhill. Ty J Spears is the Ferrari that's gonna zip in and out of all the lanes of traffic to get around everything. So really a thunder and a lightning kind of compliment here. Spears does a great job catching balls out of the backfield. He's already ranked as one of the best pass blockers in the league, according to PFF. I know PFF, take it with a grain of salt and how you want to take it. But as compared to other running backs, he's ranking well as a pass blocker. So he's doing all the little things that you need your complimentary back to do. So if there is ever a week where, again, if you got to be without Minka Fitzpatrick, but you do get Cam Hayward back. I think this is the week where you'll take it. The problem is, like I said, 27th in the league against the run. The Steelers have not shown a great propensity for shutting down big time running backs yet this year. And it does not help. And I'm glad you pointed out everything with Ty J J Spears, because I I got to see him play a little bit last year. Remember he comes out of Tulane. And I don't think a lot of people, if you're not a really diehard college football person, you might not have, not have known a lot about Ty J Spears, but he came out of Tulane. And this was a Tulane team that went to a bowl game against USC last year yep. and gave USC problems. So yeah. this is what we're looking at here. Granted, you could also make the case that USC's defense is horrible and porous and probably comparatively worse than the Steelers, which would be a fair point, but that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, Greg Finley, our producer, knows what I mean. Um, anyway, but to, to your point, it, it is it's more of a test as far as what they're going to face in the run game because we thought we would see that test against Cleveland, but then Nick Chubb goes down with the injury and we don't right. see him for the latter half of the game. You're going to see two guys that give this defense problems. One can give you problems inside the tackles. The other one can give you problems outside the tackles or pretty much anywhere else on the field that he might be. So, yeah, it does create a, a big situation. And, yes, having Cam Hayward is important as far as helping trying to trying to clog things up front. Here's where it might be a problem for me, because you mentioned Ty J. Spears catching the ball out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. So, that means he becomes a matchup problem for either your linebackers or your safeties. Yep. And we already talked about how you don't have Micah Fitzpatrick. And his ability to make plays from just pretty much anywhere in the defense is what made him so important. And now you lose that. So that matchup becomes an issue with Ty J Spears as far as what he can do in the passing game. And I think to expand it out to whether we're talking about Spears or any of the receivers in this offense or any of the weapons, really. Um, oh, yeah, because by the way, they, they they have a guy named Hopkins, if you heard of him, too. So there's that. De, 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 DeAndre, that's it. That's yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Um, the, now, the Clemson kid, yeah. That guy, that guy. yeah. Um, the guy who lit him up on Christmas a while back when they played against Houston. That dude. Yeah, we remember that. Um, here's the problem. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, the, the problem here is that I think if the Steelers are smart, 
and we talked about this in the wake of the loss to Jacksonville and DeMonte KZ trying to do way too much at times. Um, they're going to have to play it safe on the back end. They're going to have to play pretty vanilla, I would think, in the secondary and in the middle of the field, even if it's linebackers picking up the backs out of the backfield. Um, and what worries me is that the one advantage you should have against the guy making his second career NFL start should be that you can mix some things up and really confuse them. Give them some right. stuff that you haven't put on tape before. Give them some looks that you know are going to catch them off guard. I don't know how confident the Steelers can feel, how, how confident Terrell Austin can feel in KZ and Neal on the back end to do some of that stuff. I, I, you can't really attack with all sorts of exotic stuff or some look over here and bring it from here. Whatever they may usually dial up for a young quarterback, I, I think they're going to be more guarded. They have to be more guarded about their own safety situation. Yeah, it's going to be harder to disguise everything in the back without making Fitzpatrick. I know we talked about the possibility of Patrick Peterson getting involved. We talked about that earlier in the week after the Mike Tomlin press conference. But at the same time, you, you wonder just how much you can do that if you don't have a Micah Fitzpatrick. So now it comes up to the other option, which is be really, really disruptive up front and speed up his clock. Yeah. Which is where Cam Hayward comes into play. So I think that's important because you know what you're getting on the ends there with, with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. That's all well right. and good. But you've already seen what can happen when Keanu Benton gets opportunities to rush in between the tackles and see what he can do, especially in between the guards. So now you got to deal with him. And by the way, Ken Hayward's been doing that for, what, a decade plus? Yeah. He's pretty good at that, too. So now you have a situation where the Steelers are probably not at the ideal, but a lot closer to it, where they can send four guys, and maybe four guys can get home to where you can drop seven guys back and have more depth and coverage. Even without a Micah Fitzpatrick, maybe the number of bodies might necessarily supersede the quality of who those bodies are if you can get four men rushing consistently with Cam Hayward up front. Yeah, I, I will say this is a huge opportunity with Hayward, not just with Hayward back. And one thing that I, I think that we need to consider is that he may not play a full complement of snaps. Like they, That's also gonna, true. Yeah. They're, they're going to ease him back in, I would think. Um, but this is a huge opportunity for the guys who have done some things up front. Larry Ogunjobi has been key. Uh, whether it's Keanu Benton, who you mentioned, or Montrevious Adams, They've been more than serviceable on the inside. At least Benton has. So is um, the Marvin Leal. They keep moving him around. So there's Leal. I, I thought Armin Watts had a decent first half uh, last week. I mean, they, they've they've duct tape and chicken wired together this defensive front between draft picks and veteran free agents like Ogan Joby and of course the stalwart and Hayward um, to the point where I. think think I'd like to think they can slow down Henry but again we just talked about Spears the one-two punch this is a, at least inside to interior line really good offensive line yes. um so that's going to be a battle to see. I would think if I'm the Titans I'm not asking Will Levis to throw four touchdown passes again uh, now I, I look at this thing and I say well let, let's let the Steelers are 27th in the league against the run Cam Hayward or no Cam Hayward it's his first week back. It's a short week for them. They're probably a little beaten up, battered and bruised on that side of the ball. Let's just run it right at him. Like, we're tired, too, and we're mm -hmm. beat up, too, but we've got a quality interior line. 
Let's attack them inside with Derrick Henry. Let's change a pace, change change of pace. Pardon me, mm-hmm. with Spears on the outside, and let's 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 shorten this game because not that we're afraid of the Steelers' offense, but we have a young quarterback as well who we don't want to put in position to make mistakes. Let's shorten the game and take those opportunities for mistakes uh, away. And take let's be honest, the the fewer opportunities. Watt and Highsmith have to make plays or even Porter on the exactly. outside, the better. So let's shorten the game and let see if we can't win this thing with our run game, you know, 17 to 10. Yeah. Tip of the spear, I guess, is the, the term you can use pun or no pun intended. It works either way. But if you're in Tennessee's position, that's kind of how you have to look at it. And what's the one, what's one of the things that we always talk about when we talk about having a solid run game? Not only the fact that it helps you during cold weather months, which, by the way, it's going to be a little bit colder come yep. Thursday night as well. So there's that. But also, running the ball is portable. Running the ball, you can do it at home. You can do it on the road. You can do it on the moon if you got the right, uh, got the right anti-gravity suit and your boots are going well enough. You can <laughs> run the ball pretty much anywhere. So that's the one thing that does help Tennessee in this regard because I'm with you on this. I don't like the thought of Tennessee, at least for their sake, trying to get really exotic and try to spread it out and throw it all over the place. Yes, I know they have DeAndre Hopkins. I know he's pretty good, and that's fine. But you don't need to go too crazy with it. You can still also pack it in a bit. You can run the ball. You can do a little play action. They've got a pretty good tight end, too, in Oconquo who catch the ball. So you yep. have that going for you. You have a lot of different things you can do if you're this offense that doesn't have to involve – you know, Will Levis throwing the ball 30 to 40 times a game. You can still throw it 20 to 25 times a game with a balanced running attack. And if you're running the ball well, it still opens up opportunities to take deep shots for Will Levis. So one thing could easily, easily help you transition into the other, especially if they get a Henry and or Spears going early in this game. Yeah, that's that's the thing I think to watch for. And then, you know, can they use, can the Steelers use Joey Porter Jr.? And I know they're not going to want to do this yet but they should be willing to do it because they're far too patient in bringing him along. This will pro- this will be his first start, right? Um, and they should be at the point where they're already confident in putting him on the best opposing receiver, even if it's an experienced veteran like uh, D-Hop, and letting him just go all over the field with that guy. That should be the plan because he's clearly your best cover guy, and Hopkins is a guy who can abuse you, especially – if the run game gets going and we're talking play action and the play of the safeties and everything else, take PZ Jr., put him on D-Hop, and take him out of the game. Now, is Hopkins still going to get his catches? Sure, he's, he's probably going to get targeted seven, eight times at least. And it, it, right. and so it, by, by that measure, he probably still comes down with four or five catches. But if Porter can keep them from being the kind of catches that really hurt you, then you do now give yourself the option of, okay, if Porter takes Hopkins away and we can slow down the run game to any effect whatsoever, you've really neutralized the Tennessee offense to the extent that you're putting it all back on Levis's shoulders again. And now you're getting back to where you can force mistakes. But it's got to be done in a very straightforward, vanilla kind of way, not with the smoke and mirrors that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, they don't have the luxury of smoke and mirrors at this point. I don't think I don't think they'll be able to really pull that off the way they would like to. Also, and I'm with you on this because if there's any reason 
why what you're saying makes sense about having Joey Porter Jr. wherever DeAndre Hopkins is. Go back and look and see what he did against Calvin Ridley right. against the Jaguars. Took him Calvin out Ridley, completely out of the I mean, game. We'll talk about that that long, ridiculous line that and that long line of Alabama receivers in the league. There's like a dozen of them. He's one of them, and he managed to shut that guy down. And that's really important when you have this kind of pass attack coming in here. And if I'm not mistaken, I expect to see Traylon Burks in this game too, by the way. Blue pig. Yep. Got to make the reference there. <laughs> but it stands to reason. Traylon Burks is another guy who can make some plays. Now, granted, he hasn't seen the ball a lot. He's been hurt for a while. He missed a bunch of weeks. But I want to say he's played in the last, what, three or four games? Or I should say he's played – actually, last week was his first week back was against Atlanta. He played three games earlier in the season before he was hurt and missed a bunch of weeks. But he's back with this offense too. And if he's healthy, that's another added element this defense has to work with. And he's big and he's athletic. He can do some things too. So if you can take at least one of them off the table, now we're back to our whole 2004 Pistons discussion. You know, <laughs> let, let one beat you and don't let the other one kill you. That right. might have to be what you lean on again. We might be back to that, but maybe down to a little bit more of a microcosm version of it. Yeah, I, I just I, I think if if Tennessee has and look, uh, you never know with Vrabel and which way he's going to go with things. To be quite honest, <laughs> top five coach in the NFL, Josh. Um, top five. You, top five. <laughs> Top five, uh, top five in the world, Craig. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I, I can't see them putting too much on Levis's shoulders, despite how no. well he played last week. Still young, second career start on the road, short week, hostile environment, all that kind of stuff. Um, you want to simplify things as much as you can for him. So I think if you're the Steelers, by way of systematically taking weapons away, hopefully limiting the run game, you get the ball back into Levis's court to where he's the one that has to make plays. As for the other side of the ball, Kenny Pickett's going to play. I don't know how I feel about this because I don't look. It, hmm, I'm just going to sit here and make noises for a while because that's where I'm at with Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I, I, uh, oh, boy. I, I don't. I don't like the idea. I never like the idea of him playing hurt, not because I'm worried about him getting further injured or exacerbating things because we saw how poorly he plays when he is rushed and hurried and anxious. And if you've got jacked up ribs and there is any semblance of a pass rush, I don't care if you got three flak jackets on, if you a can't fully torque and extend the way you need to, to get the ball downfield to guys like George Pickens and B are also so worried about getting hit. I don't care how many shots you take and how numb you are. You know, the more hits you take, eventually you're going to feel it. Maybe not right then in the moment because of the adrenaline and the shots, but you know, the next morning you're going to wake up and your your chest is going to be black and blue. Look, I watched enough of my man Captain Kirk last year on that QB show on Netflix, which, by the way, now, I don't like the fact that we have to get our own account. Sorry, Netflix. I'm just being real with it. You, t- you took away our Netflix sharing with my niece, and I'm not happy about it. Anyway. Oh, I- no. Oh, they're cracking down. They're cracking down. They're oh, checking that's, households. That's yeah, they're checking IPs. Anyway, way off that's on a rough. tangent. I saw enough of Kirk Cousins last year playing with busted ribs that it, it, it if it hampers a a guy like that who was had his best season of his career last year, mm. it's going to hamper Kenny Pickett. The, the first shot he takes, 
the, the he's going to get the happy feet. I'm really worried. Which about he already that. had, by the way. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really, worried, really worried about the impact on Kenny Pickett's decision-making process with this injury being at play. Yeah. There, there's a lot that, there's a lot that's going to be complicated with this, not only from Kenny Pickett's point of view, but also from the offensive line's point of view, because where do you go from here? I mean, we, we saw, if you saw some of the tape from the offensive line, from that Jacksonville game, you got to be confused about what happens with this group. Who is the best five that you put out here? What's the best group oh. that you could have that might work? And, and more importantly, do you trust them all? Because you got a handful of guys that can get after the quarterback and Harold Landry is one of those guys who's had that reputation for a while. I'm yeah. pretty sure I expect to see him in this game. And he was one of the guys that the Steelers actually looked at coming out in the draft too. So that actually sticks out as well. But you you got a handful of guys in this defense. They may not have huge numbers, but they are capable of getting after your quarterback. And it's it's not like they're, you know, just some run of the mill defense. I mean, they've had some, some things going for them. And that's despite the fact that they traded Kevin Byer through best safety. But they're still creating a problem that's enough for this group to be worried about what can happen with Kenny Pickett and you mentioned the injury and how that's a problem so yeah now you have the situation where you have a quarterback that's hurt you have an offensive line that was not necessarily five-star quality maybe not even three-star quality their last time out on the field and it's right. starting to make people a little bit more anxious and this is the first time in a while where the anxiety going into the game about an offense is not specifically and not solely with the offensive coordinator that's what tells you that things maybe aren't going as great as you would anticipate. And that's not what you wanted from this team that we're going to bring this up again, did some overhauling of its offensive line in the offseason, right. or at least presumably. And now we're seeing a lot of the same from last year, especially pre-buy last year. So, yeah, yeah, and it makes the run game completely non-existent, which is yes. the shame of things. Because if we're just looking to get a little bit of balance here, just a little bit of balance, like, I've kind of written off the idea of Najee Harris going off for hundred yard games. Sorry. I just, I'm, I'm there with it. Like this run game is not going to produce behind no. this line. And so it puts way too much on picket. We talked about the anxiousness, the happy feet, how much that's going to be exacerbated by the rib injury. And Oh, by the way, they've got a corner over there and Sean Murphy bunting who can take away one of your top two targets. Murphy Bunting can take away Pickens if they mm -hmm. ask him to. He can take away DJ if that's what they want to do. I imagine that much like Jacksonville did last week and other teams have tried to do this year, they will take away Pickens. And they'll say, fine, if you want to try and beat us with Deontay Johnson eight yards at a time, be our guest. Um, and that, again, while Pickett is comfortable looking for Deontay Johnson – We've seen how tenuous that connection is, whether it's a bad throw by Pickett or a lack of securing the ball by Johnson. And there's no other target out there right now that I see Pickett feeling supremely confident in or comfortable with if Pickens is taken away and Deontay Johnson is either dropping the ball or the ball isn't on target. This would have been a wonderful, wonderful game to have a Pat Fryer move available and healthy. Mm -hmm. This is where this is a game where a guy like that kind of helps you out a lot more because if nothing else, he forces a defense to pay attention to the middle of the field. So when you don't have that guy, it makes it a little bit harder. Not that I don't have any kind of faith in Connor Hayward, but Connor Hayward doesn't do all the things Pat Fryer move does. And that's what makes it complicated. And I'm, I'm with you on this. 
they're going to force the, the Steelers to pick their poison as far as who they're going to be able to throw to and yeah. who's going to be the guy that's running around. The thing that worries me is if Kenny Pickett doesn't have time enough to figure out which is po- which poison he wants to pick from, it makes it 10 times harder. And that's not something they can afford at the moment. Well, we saw it in the, the goal line play, the pass that was behind Deontay Johnson. Yep. Um, that, that's been dissected six ways to Sunday since last Sunday. And, you know, it doesn't take more watching it more than twice from the end zone angle to see that everything was set up. The play call was perfect from Canada. The route was perfect from Johnson. And he got the perfect read Pickett did from the safety and was still late with the ball, which caused Johnson to slip and fall as he reached back for it. Um, you know, at first blush, I didn't have many problems with Kenny Pickett's performance last week until he went out. But you go back and watch the tape again, and there's that throw. There's a couple others that are a little off target. And it would be nice, to your point, to have a big, forgiving target in the middle of the field, Fryer Muse out, and yet somehow we're seeing Darnell Washington only get 10 snaps a game. Like, I, I you know, there was a certain amount of humor in it at, at, back in the summer when we were joking around a bunch about like Darnell Washington and how effective he was going to be. And, you know, we were all excited about it, bulldog and all, but like now it's getting to the point where no, we weren't kidding. Like we were having fun with it, but we weren't kidding. This dude is a weapon. If you watch <laughs> five minutes of Georgia football last year, you know what he's capable of. He's not just a blocking tight end. This is approaching coaching malpractice to not have this dude in there running tight end one while Pat Fryermuth is out. I don't understand the infatuation with Rodney Williams and Connor Hayward. Hayward's nice and all. That's great. A gimmick here and there. Uh, Williams is a practice squad guy. Darnell Washington is a stud. And the fact that they're not using him in all situations, run or pass, is confounding to me, Josh. You know who we are right now? We're we're Fred Gwynn and my cousin Vinny. We're, we're the judge and my cousin Vinny and the Steelers offensive coaching staff is just like, what, you were serious about that? <laughs> That's them right now. Because we're sitting there going, Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington, and the Steelers are like, oh, you were serious about that? Yeah, yeah, we were serious. Kind of yeah. want to see that guy. He also <laughs> kind of helps you in the run game too. Don't just bring him out when you need to run and don't just bring him out as an extra guy on the line. Bring him up because he helps you anytime he's in the game and he can help you in the red zone. He can help you in short yardage. There's a bunch of different things that he does that your offense just happens to need. So let him fill them. I don't think that's too crazy of a request. No, we saw it in the preseason. We saw it at camp. We saw that the two Utes, Broderick Jones and Darnell (laughs) Washington, are ready. I'm sorry, did you just say the two Utes? Yes, the two Utes. Not Utah Utes, the Bulldogs, the Utes. Uh, they are ready. I'm Let sorry, you're out of Utes. <laughs> yeah, but, th- this is, it, it's getting to the point where it's like, it, it hasn't reached Matt Canada level of overkill, but we're getting there. I think we're getting there. I think I think people were there with Broderick Jones already. But I think you and I are getting there with Darnell Washington. We keep asking ourselves, what is going on right now? Why are we seeing this? And you and I, I can go 10 more minutes with this, but I won't do that. But I think it really comes down to two things specifically. One, you need a stronger presence up front in your run game. And this is the guy who prides himself on being a sixth offensive lineman. Not Robert Jones brought in as a tackle eligible. Before you even get to that, 
he's the guy who's standing next to your offensive lineman who's already eligible and is already a tight end. Mm -hmm. Use that guy. And then you have the fact that he is absolutely huge. There are players who are pretty tall guys who stand next to him and look like teenagers. And then you have the Calvin Austins of the world who stand next to him and look like toddlers because he's massive. (laughs) Put him in there, throw the ball up high, and no one else can get to it. Some of this stuff is really easy. Yeah. And and, uh, not to to borrow the Colin Cowherd term because he uses a lot, but I feel like we're missing some layups here as far as this coaching staff and just what they refuse to do, which seems so easy. The, the, the car that made these two equal length tire marks had pause attraction. And that's what Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington are. They are pause attraction, which was My wife's gonna ava- love this episode, which, which was not this. available in the 64 Buick Skylock. That's my wife's favorite movie. She's gonna love this episode. <laughs> love it. But it, it just it's it, you're right. That's exactly what the phrase is. They're missing layups. Like missing layups. Jones for more, maybe more over to the other side for Chooks. I think that's six of one half dozen of the other. Washington, while Fryermuth is out. Um, and and other than that, I mean, we can go back to all the same complaints about Matt Canada. I think that's actually fallen down the list of priorities. You saw this offense move the ball a little bit. And I, look, again, the bar is so exceedingly low yes, that we get excited yes. about first downs. It, it's it's they gained the yard in Little Giants. We understand that part. It's, we yes. get it. <laughs> but, like, but still. They, they put together a couple eight, nine, ten play drives last week. Now, the rest were all three and outs. But yes. they, they put together a couple drives that – showed you the sequencing I think is starting to come together mm-hmm. from Canada. Now the question and we is we saw they, that start to happen with the Rams. That's when it really yes. started to really congeal. Now are they necessarily you, you can't overhaul the route concepts at no. this point in the season. Are they layered enough or is it kind of simplistic? It's kind of simplistic at times, but there's enough in there that if these guys just execute they can beat a Tennessee Titans. They, they they can. And I just think it's unfortunately going to come down once again, Josh, to the defense having to make an enormous play again for them to steal one. Like a TJ Watt interception on the first play of the second half or an Alex Highsmith scoop and score or Joey Porter red zone interception. It's They're going to have to have one of those kind of plays, at least one, if not a couple, to win this game. I think it's eminently possible and doable against a rookie quarterback making just his second start, who's probably, judging by what I can tell of Will Levis, is his head's probably about four sizes too big right now because of the way he played in his debut. Mayonnaise in your coffee, fool. Uh, but, like, <laughs> I, I think they've got the opportunity to do that. I think they can win on Thursday night. They're just going to have to get at least one of those big plays on defense. And it it also, I'm glad you brought up the point about a rookie quarterback making his second start. And shout out to Dale Wally, longtime Steelers uh, beat reporter who mentioned this. Over the past 20 seasons, rookie quarterbacks are 1-15 against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And that's 0-5 in primetime games. So the numbers are in this team's favor. And if there's a time, if there's a time to start, you know, trying to try to keep it up with with the trends, Now's one of those times, and we've seen this defense over the years give rookie quarterbacks the blues, 
this is one of those times where you want to give a rookie quarterback the blues and make it as hard as possible for him to get going. Well, yeah, and and I don't want to like I, I don't want to get too esoteric or too fanboyish or both at the same time here, but like prime times at Heinz Field, I'm never going to call it Acrisure, are they do they've got a little bit of something to them. Sure, or mystique in a weird sort of way. Yeah, and so look. I, I get it. Will Levis is a supremely confident young dude. I would be too if I threw four touchdown passes in my NFL debut. But there is something about walking into that place with the chewed up grass outside the numbers, with the <laughs> with the with the steel curtain numbers up there on the rotunda, with the towels twirling around. And then it's a close game and we get to the fourth quarter and renegade hits and the place is going nuts. And TJ's out there urging the crowd on like, I don't care how good you were in college or where you played. And then you only played at Kentucky and that's James Franklin's fault, but here nor there, that's a separate conversation. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you haven't been in this environment quite yet. And so I do think there's something to that. And those numbers that you 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 uh, got from Dale point that out. Like, if he wins tomorrow night in primetime in Pittsburgh, it will be the first rookie quarterback to do so. And again, Levis That's may have a had a great debut, deal. but I don't think he's that good. So that that, that hey. does play into this. And that's not counting the fact that this defense might have a little bit of a shot in its arm in the first quarter because you're getting the captain back after, what, six games being out? You get Cam Hayward back on the field, especially if the defense is on the field first. I'm going to guess. I'm going to take a wild guess that the defense is going to be introduced before this game. Mm-hmm. Now, when they introduce the starters, they're going to introduce the defense. And you know who the next to last name is. Actually, it might be the last name called since he he's might, been gone for yeah. six games. Uh-huh. They might flip him to TJ around. T- and TJ, I don't think TJ will care. But I, I think we'll see Cam Hayward being that last name out there in true, in true Sit and Gino fashion, those last two names. Yep. You, you <laughs> but um, I think you will see Cam Hayward as that last name introduced, and he will come out there, and I think people will be ready to go. So if that defense is the first unit out with Cam Hayward back on the field, I think they'll be a little bit more jazzed up and even more motivated to make it hard for Will Levis too. If they make a play early on, if they make a play on the first drive against Levis, it really is going to, and a lot of it then flows from what do they do if there's a turnover on that, you know, that, that big play, but <laughs> even it, it, <laughs> what side of the field it's on. Cause that matters too. Um, but like, it, even, it does, if it's it just, does. even if it's just a big third down sack, right? Like it doesn't have to be a strip sack. It doesn't have to be a pick. It, uh, just a big third down sack to get a three and out on the first series would be enough, I think, to rattle Levis and his cage just a little bit. And look, the offense has no confidence. They're not going to get any unless somebody flips a light switch. But just to have one side of the ball feeling good and to ratchet up the energy a little bit so that when they do go out there, the offense the first time, we're all not waiting on pins and needles for the first incompletion and the first three and out and the first fire Canada chant and all that crap. Like let's go out there, get a big play from the defense early. Like I said, even if it's only just a sack on third down and 
let's use some of the intangibles to to this team's advantage. It's going to be necessary. It's not even it's not even ideal. It's not something you hope for. It's damn near mandatory for this game because for every reason you, you just laid out, they're, they need, especially if the defense is the first group out there, they need to be ready to make a play early in this game. They cannot afford to let Tennessee get into a rhythm. They cannot afford to let Will Levis get comfortable. They, they need to get themselves in that kind of mode early to where they're trying to push this team back, where they're winning on first and second down, which is important. Because if they can't win a first and second down and they get into third manageable situations, it's going to be a lot easier for Tennessee to convert with this group, especially considering the fact they don't have one of their best back end guys out there. So they have to win early on first and second downs. They have to force third and longs. And then they have to get off the field on those third and longs. Because when, you, when another team converts on a third and four, it's not as crazy. When you yeah. can't stop a third and 17, that's deflating. Mm. And now you got to stay on for three more downs after that. And you got to hope you stop them again after three downs, after you failed to do it the first time around. You can't afford to let that happen because we've seen the domino effect for this defense when that happens, when one drive can't really get stopped and then the offense doesn't get going and then it snowballs into another drive. And then you got San Francisco and Houston all over again. You cannot afford that. Not only in this particular setting, but also at this point in the schedule, when you're trying to keep yourselves, forgive the term, because we just were a different segment, above room temperature. But that's what we're looking <laughs> at right now. Yeah. A Thursday night home game, especially against a team that isn't as good as you, and the Titans talent-wise, just up and down the roster, aren't quite as good as the Steelers. But a Thursday night home game should always be a win. You should be able to chalk that up as a W. They've got two of them this year. If you lose this one, especially on the mm-hmm. heels of losing to Jacksonville. And then who knows where it goes from here. Yeah, you're in a bad way, especially if it involves Levis playing anything like he did last week and lighting up the Steelers' safeties. We'll see how it goes Thursday night. And then, and then, my friends, we will have a live post-game edition Thursday night of fourth down in the Steel City right here if you're watching on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. That's where you'll go to get. It'll be available as a podcast later inside your Odyssey app. No worries. But if you want to join us live post game on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page Thursday night, we will be here breaking it all down. Uh, The live post game shows usually involve a little bit of brown liquor that I'll have in a glass here off to the side to either celebrate or. Chris has the drinks. I got the snacks. Let's go. (laughs) Soothe whatever headaches we may have. We'll see how it goes. For Greg Finley, our Chris producer. is soothing headaches. I'm, 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 uh, I'm helping with the stress eating. We're good. We got you covered. We're good. We got it covered all the way around we for Josh Taylor. Let's hope we got good stuff to talk about Thursday night after the game. We will talk to you then right here on 4th Down in the Steel City.